Retro Rebel Gamecast is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebels release Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook and Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. Hello. Well, welcome. We have we have overcome, as usual, some form of technology uh, snafu that w- that hopes to derail us, uh, but we will not be denied. So listen, we're just we're really fighting the powers that be. I apologize in advance <laughs> for the sound of a fan in the background. It is at the moment twenty six degrees Celsius, which is pretty hot when you don't have. Air you know that means nothing to us Americans, so. It's it's seventy eight ish, right? But that's hot. Much for warmer no than anybody would be keeping their house. So exactly, right? Not quite cooking bacon on the counter, but it is uh, warm. I mean, it gets hotter. It gets hotter. It gets eighty, eighty five, but no air conditioning, so it's even hotter inside your house because heat rises. Ooh. And I live on the top floor, but we're not there yet. It's early summer, so it's okay. Right. But the fan is a necessity. Sorry, folks. I apologize. I will mute as best as possible. Well, the 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 good news is I can't hear it at all, so maybe uh, they won't be able to either. So. Excellent. Yeah. Uh. Well. Uh, lots been going on. It is, uh, like you said, uh, midsummer, early June. Uh, there is some news, but first, what have you been playing? Uh, well, I've been playing more Call of Duty Warzone. I sort of warned that this was a possibility. Um, I've been <laughs> I've been playing a bit of the Warzone Rumble, which is, I guess, a twenty-five v twenty-five sort of sector warfare thing it's sniper's paradise and i love sniping so i really enjoy that game mode i can't complain i think i got like six kills and one death you know it's it's a slow it's a slow right. burn but it makes me quite happy <laughs> i love a kd <laughs> ratio that's nice and healthy um you know obviously there are many types of players in call of duty you know there are people that be like oh i got 25 kills or whatever but then they had like you know you know 21 deaths so you're like yeah but you know (laughs) right it's not that good you know in comparison um so i I kind of enjoy uh sitting back a little and and playing a bit of d um however they have made some changes to battle royale's quad mode offering a realistic battle royale which basically means that you can't tell when you've downed a player And I think you also can't tell when you've killed them or killed the whole team. You just get way less notifications, which I'm not really about that life. I got to be honest, because, (laughs) you know, if you don't know how many people that you're facing, like, let's say you saw three enemies and then you don't know which ones you've put down, which ones are completely dead, which ones are still alive. Like, how do you know when it's safe to advance? I'm not really that keen you're not trying that. to be a real warrior a real soldier well if you were a real soldier if you shot somebody in the head once they'd be done 
There's no down they can get revitalized. True, that's true. So I don't think I would mind it if when you, like, it was one shot, one kill. Like, if they wanted realistic mode to be realistic, then a headshot should instantly kill you. A bot, like, two body shots should kill you. Do you know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't take as many bullets. You shouldn't be able to be revived. And that should be that. Like, no going to the prison to get, you know, to go to Gulag to get relaunched again. So I think, in my opinion, realistic Battle Royale quads is a bit of a misnomer. Because if it was really realistic, you wouldn't be able to get revived. You wouldn't go to Gulag. Like, you would one shot, one kill. That's realistic. That's real life. You know, like, people don't generally survive getting shot more than once. So, you know, I think if they were going to do realistic, that would be realistic. Also, I don't like that that's now the only four-person mode that you can play. They've taken the other one away temporarily, quote-unquote temporarily. But still, like, why are you forced to play this different mode? It's sort of, I don't know, I'm not really super keen on it. I think it's a lot harder on people who are maybe moderate levels of player. I would consider myself like a, a... medium level player i'm not terribly crap and i'm definitely not good so i'm sort of like in the middle (laughs) you know like i i won't like die tons of times or anything and i'll usually get a kill or two per match but i'm not great you know however like teams that i've been on you know i've been the one who's finished fourth before and everyone else is dead so i'm not like super crap but i'm not really good either i've never won right i've never won a match like the i think the most that we've ever gotten is second place on a team that i've been on so i've never won not either me or my teammates have when i've been on the team we haven't won but i like to know like when you've downed a character i think it's really hard to know when you can advance if you have no idea if you've killed the team or no you know, like, you're just going to sit there, other people are going to come up on you. I don't know. I just have feelings about it, but that's what I've been playing. <laughs> okay. No, I, I I haven't played uh, I haven't played it at all, so I've got no point of reference, but I agree with you. Although I would say my, uh, my emphasis was always on kills, not uh, my ratio, because I died quite often. So... I was like, oh, I've got, uh, you know, let's just not look at the ratio right now. Just look at how many I got and um, and go from there. That would be my measure for success. Uh, I have been playing two games. I'll start with the the less obvious one because it's different, uh, and I, had, I didn't talk about it last week. And that is I fired up Magic the Gathering Arena. Oh, yeah. So I, I had been playing, I've been playing Hearthstone for years. Uh, I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago that I spent like at least an hour and a half cutting and pasting uh, different decks into the, um, into the program and, and trying to build one good, solid uh, mage deck to just play again, get back to, uh, you know, to in ranked mode, try to get back to playing. And, and uh, you know, if I got to 15 or 10th uh in terms of rank i'd have been fine you know but i I was i had i guess i had stepped away long enough that i was excited to come back and play it and i spent all that time and you know ended up uh building a deck that was wild and not standard and i couldn't even use it so i was very (laughs) i was done with that no desire to come back and do that again uh so uh, originally many years ago i had played magic the gathering uh you know with actual cards not as a 
digital, you know, RNG, uh, you know, for, I mean, although you do get uh, a, a version of that in your in the decks that you used to buy, tangible cards, you know. Um, but one thing that I always knew about Magic the Gathering is it was definitely a more complex mm-hmm. game and a more complex uh, card card game system, you know, just the mechanics of the game. A little bit more, I mean, same principle, but Hearthstone just distills it down to be simpler, um, still difficult to, to master. <laughs> Magic... Uh, is way more complicated. Did you did you play Magic uh, much? Yeah, I Amanda? did. Yep. Okay, so I was always a big fan of uh, green Magic, like the Earth. Magic. Yeah, the growth uh, deck. Yeah, the growth deck is yeah, good. So they, I was a big fan of of green. Uh, and what was blue? I mean, I knew it was water mostly, or but it. Um, yeah, the water deck. I always played the plains deck as well. Yeah, well, see, they start you out. So in this game, they start you out as a plane, in the as with a planes deck. So you have, I think, you have like seven or eight cards. It's very similar to what Hearthstone does, but I'm sure that Magic did it before. Similarly, yeah, beforehand. So uh, you start out with a planes deck. It's all you know, all white Magic, um, and you do your training, and you do the training against different computer characters, uh, and you know, you're you're learning the mechanics of the game, and you're facing different characters with different magic types, uh, combining different magic types, and 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 what you have to do to you know resource management and getting your characters out there. Basically, just learning how to play the game. Uh, it was really fun. Like I really really enjoyed it, and it was something I was like, man, I'd love to. I wish this was on my phone, you know, because I'd go back and play it on my phone in a heartbeat. But it's not. It's only on PC right now. Unfortunately, this is the only big drawback, and it may have only been my experience. I got dropped from the servers no less than once, but usually multiple times per match. And every time you got dropped from the server, you had to start the match over. So hmm. it wasn't, which is understandable to a certain extent. If you, you know, if you get dropped, uh, they're not going to save your progress in in more of a live, you know, timed based kind of. Uh, format so i understand why they couldn't save my my progress but i didn't understand why i kept getting dropped um it was like i don't know if i was getting i just kept getting kicked out of the matches and dropped from the servers so i don't know if this was a wizards of the coast issue uh i don't believe it was my internet issue uh it's not truly that demanding to play uh, i would imagine to play magic the gathering no not at all Especially if I'm just playing the computer at the time, you know, going through the introductory uh, matches where I'm not even playing an actual person. So Yeah, because they sort of do the same things every time. Every time, right. They're going to have, you know, a, a, a pre-programmed set of acts or actions that they're going to do. So, you know, they're going to get the same cards. They're going to put them out the same way. You're going to get the same cards, so on and so forth. So it didn't really make sense why I kept getting dropped. So I haven't gone back to it. But uh, what I did get to play, I really enjoyed. And having played a few different card games now, um, I definitely feel like I got my fill for Hearthstone. And I wanted something more now, I think. And if I go back to a card game, I'll definitely go back to... Even if I... I might even spend some money, you know. I mean, I it can't be more than what those packs of cards used to cost. 
uh, for a pack of magic cards. I mean, I think they were four, four or five bucks a piece. Oh yeah. Uh, they were mad crazy expensive. Yeah. So, and I used to have some really expensive cards, like cards that are wor- were worth a lot of money. And I don't, man, I have no idea what happened to them anyway. So I may, I may go back to that game, but I was frustrated with their servers or, and, or my experience, just game, great server, bad. Um, but the game that I've spent the most time playing right now has been The Last of Us 2. Absolutely, uh, have, uh, I, I've, I dove in and have been playing it um, basically any opportunity that I get. Uh, I had a friend text me and ask me, you know, what my experience is. You know, have I been playing it? So on. And this is somebody that sat with me while we uh, kind of got to experience a little bit when we would, you know, trade off and let, let each other play. Uh, whenever the other one died, the other person's uh, turn would come up. So they sat and watched or at least partook in, in some of the playing uh, all the way through that game. Uh, they did that game and Bioshock Infinite with me. So um, two really great games, two great games with great stories. But he asked me how far I'd gotten and everything, but uh, uh, he knew how I play this game. I am very much a... A, a sneaky or, or I got to sneak around. I don't like the full frontal Rambo style uh, assaults. I'm going to, uh, you know, sneak around and, and try to do my best to stealth my way through the game. If possible. Uh, the interactions with clickers is a, extremely stressful. You know, um, it's even, <laughs> it's even more stressful when there's a new mechanic in this game. And this isn't, spoilery and if you've seen the um and it's really not spoilery because it was kind of one of the mechanics in the first game uh in terms of how you play and how you kind of stay in stealth mode is you can either go all the way into the prone position when you're in in low grass or if you're in high grass you can crouch and as long as the the runners don't get too close to you they can't see you and they won't charge at you uh same goes for the clickers uh, well, I had gotten too close, I guess, to one of the runners and I could tell that I had triggered it and it started to run at me. And I just, it, it, the equivalent of whatever you do when you just drop your head and slump your shoulders and just go to hit the reset button because I knew that my game was about to be over, but it was this slow process of the runner coming over and me standing up and, and, and fumbling with my revolver to try to shoot straight into the ground and definitely not at the thing that I'm supposed to be shooting while a clicker comes behind me behind me and you know rips a hole in my neck um it's <laughs> stressful nonetheless anyway I've really enjoyed it I've gotten to Seattle which again is also I don't believe is a spoiler but if it is minor spoilers we'll put it how many hours in are you about well, and that I think that is ultimately my point. Uh, you could probably get to this point in the game in probably two hours, maybe two or three hours. Uh, I've I'm probably in my fourth or fifth hour because I just take a lot longer to I search everything. There's an open open world component to the game, so uh, again, once you get to Seattle, the game opens up a lot more, and so you have a map. Uh, you unlock other areas like you. You'll, as you search, you find clues that there are caches of, of, of uh, uh, you know, weapons or, or 
you know, material, crafting materials and stuff, that there are caches all over this area of, of the city. And so you'll mark it on the map and then you can go over there and, and uh, you know, and search that area. And there may be enemies there that are kind of just in the area. It all makes sense once you get there. But there's this open world component to it, which is much different, you know, really than the first game which was more not really on rails but you definitely couldn't just go uh into any building or there wasn't as much of the of the searching you know and and so i've been doing that a lot more and that's probably padded my time a bit but uh yeah so four or five hours um since it's released uh I've, i've been able to get into it so i'm in seattle there's a there is uh there are i have not spoiled this game for myself at all as far as i as, as much as I could anyway. I haven't seen any. I know there are supposed to be some twists in the game. Uh, fortunately, I didn't ruin any of those twists. Uh, there is something that uh, occurs in the game relatively early that I was surprised about. Uh, but uh, I'm not going to spoil any of that. Yeah, let's not here. put any spoilers in. It's too early days. No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I would definitely not want to do that. Uh, I don't want to spoil any game really for anybody, uh, just because I think there's so much to be, uh, so much to be enjoyed and experienced personally or by yourself. So I don't want to do, I don't want to ruin that for anybody. So, but yeah, I've been, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, and you know, at, with our main topic, we'll get to talk about it a little bit more. Um, so uh, yeah, so I'll save, I'll save any other feedback for, for that segment. Excellent. Yeah. So. News. You got some for me. Yeah, I do. So I've got three stories. So I guess a good segue from what you were just talking about is that The Last of Us is coming to HBO as a television TV series. Uh, Soon-ish, actually. Uh, and Very the nice. director of Breaking Bad and Chernobyl, Johan Rennick, has been signed on for the pilot, which is pretty good news for people who are interested in The Last of Us being a TV program. Which is, is me. That is, I am the demographic. Yeah, it should, it should be available on HBO Go and everything like that, um, but as far as actors and things like that there's just been a little rumblings here or there nothing really confirmed only the director's really been confirmed so far but we know it's a project they're working on and it is a television show so it's going to be a series yeah it's going to be hbo series which means it's going to be rated m for hbo (laughs) (laughs) but that's good though you kind of need to for the last of us yeah, it has to be. It's too violent, and, and I hope they don't pull any punches. I hope they keep it just as, um, well, violence not really, That's it's not just about the violence. It's the tone, I hope, is, is the same. Well, I mean, you've got the guy who did Chernobyl and Breaking Bad, so I think he'll be able to muster some tone. <laughs> For sure, no problem. right. right. <laughs> uh, then the next story that I have is about Apex Legends, the sort of free battle royale 
successor stroke challenger to the Fortnite franchise. Uh, it's coming to mobile, which means it's going to be sort of truly cross-platform um, by the end of this year. It was already announced that it was coming to Switch, so this makes it a completely cross-platform experience. And it's very, very popular. It's got over 50 million players. Like It's a very popular game, Apex Legends, if you hadn't played it. I didn't fancy it. But that's only because it is, in my opinion, more challenging than Fortnite, but not as realistic as Call of Duty. So in a like many ways, harder than both. That's sort of my opinion. Okay. I wasn't good yeah. at it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play it. Uh, my son liked it a little, but didn't didn't really get into it either. So yeah, not my not my cup of tea. Yeah, it wasn't for me either. Um, do you have any news stories? I have one more. I have uh, two, yeah. Okay, you go ahead. So, uh, one, uh, it was reported on multiple outlets that uh, The Last of Us 2 has been the, so far, the biggest, and I imagine it will be, the biggest PS2, or P, uh, PS2, PS4 launch, uh, you know, of the, of the console's life. So... Um, that's huge, and I think that that's going to play into our topic as, today as well. Uh, but it's been incredibly successful for Naughty Dog and um, the tumultuous production period of, of this particular game is, uh, you know, being rewarded with, uh, you know, in, incredible sales. Uh, but with that said, uh, <laughs> there have been... Um, I, Again, I'm not going to. I didn't even read the entire article, and I'm not going to link it here either. Um, there, there have been uh, mass, at least in some areas, uh, mass trade-ins of the game, and the the mass trade-ins are due to uh, some of the more uh, mature themes and graphic scenes that are in the game. Some of which I've unfortunately been. Uh, kind of told about without really knowing any context or exactly the, the specifics of the scenes. Uh, I can say just from what I had heard, the very, very, very limited things I've been, I have heard, it is supposed to be, I mean, it, is, it, it would be, it's something that I haven't heard of in a game or seen in a game. Uh, I haven't heard of it anyway. So, I could see how it would be alarming, but at the same point in time, I don't under—I don't understand this uh, this particular reaction to it. So there, there were a couple outlets that had reported uh, mass trade-ins, so many trade-ins uh, to some of these stores, uh, similar to a an EB Games or a, a Replay or or some of these that will resell your games, uh, GameStop even, um, that they stopped taking the games. They would stop. They stopped taking the games because they had too many copies. Yeah, I heard that uh, in Australia. Yeah. So, um, but that said, there was. There's also been a considerable. There's been considerable blowback uh, against the game, uh, where it has been uh, meta bombed. And uh, and I'm gonna. I won't, I'm not gonna go into it right now. We'll save it for the topic again. But uh, Laura Bailey, in particular, who does one of the voices. Uh, for the uh, for one of the characters, one of the new characters uh, that's introduced, Abby, and she's if you don't know who Laura Bailey is, she's on uh, Critical Role. Uh, if you want to know what she looks like, she's on there, uh, which is uh, a 
a YouTube show where they 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 do they have D and D campaigns. Um, but she does everything from she's done Dragon Ball Z, uh, Kid Trunks in that show to Jaina on World of Warcraft. I mean, she's done like five hundred different characters, uh, and uh, so she's just very well known in the voiceover world. Uh, probably as ubiquitous with it as maybe Nolan North. I mean, that's how popular she is and and her voice. I mean, if there's a game, there's a good chance she's in it, especially if it's a big game. So um, she plays Abby in The Last of Us 2. So, but I'll go, we'll go into more uh, about that later. But yeah, so all my news is about The Last of Us. Some, some good and uh, some not so good. And uh, I sent you that story about Pokemon. Do you want to share that with the, the friends and family out there? For sure, yeah. So my last, uh, or the last bit of news that we can share is talk about uh, Pokemon Unite. Um, and Pokemon Unite was announced. It is uh, coming to the Nintendo Switch. I didn't see if it's going to, it may be mobile as well. Is that correct? Yep, and mobile. So it'll be truly cross-platform as well. Right, and so it is a League of Legends MOBA-style game, um, which seems to play right into the strengths, I think, of Pokemon as a game, where you've got all of these different Pokemon that you can choose from. You choose five, and then you go battle, you know. And so uh, League of Legends, Pokemon Unite, I have a strong suspicion that this is going to be a, uh, an eSports game. You know, this is gonna. This will be right up there with some other esports games. So, uh, it looks interesting. Um, it, like I said, MOBA, League of Legend, League of Pokemon, as as they say on in the article on the Verge. Um, <laughs> so, so if, if you're an esports yeah. player and you have a trainer, are they a Pokemon trainer? Because that's what I've always wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think theoretically you could you could legitimately say yes. Pokemon. Yeah. Gotta oh, catch them all. You gotta catch them all, so. man. You really do. But it's a free to start game, so uh, so that's good. I mean, I, I, I imagine that's gonna this will play out similarly to the others, like League of Legends, where um, you'll really, have to buy to unlock itself. characters and stuff for right. sure. Yeah. Um, but it's on the Switch and mobile, uh, so it will be truly a cross-play, uh, multiplayer, uh, multiplayer game. It looks fun. Like I think my sister would be into it. She likes MOBAs. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I, I probably will give it a, a go just at least to see what it's like. I played League of Legends. I actually liked Heroes of the Storm, uh, which was Blizzard's version of this. And so... And I played I Smite. I was crap at it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, I wasn't good at it, but one of the things about it that I uh, would that drew me to it, though, is that I knew the characters. See, I don't know, I don't know any of the characters. I couldn't tell you one thing about League of Legends in terms of like the characters, yeah, me neither, strengths, weaknesses. Yeah, I don't know anything, but I do. I actually know enough about Pokemon, but only really and truly only because uh, of Pokemon Go. Like, I would not. I was too old, really, for to to get caught up in Pokemon at the time Pokemon when it first came out. Pokemon, go to the polls. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I know it. I, well, and I did, and I, I, I played it, and I played it with my kids. I still, every now and then, will log in and just see what's around my office if I'm at work. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun game, and, man. I love how we were all walking around with battery packs, like, connected to ourselves, because we were just oh, like, man. well, this is going to drain our battery. Just accept it. Like, bring the battery back. It will back. for sure drain your battery. I mean, yeah. And heaven forbid you drain it right when, you know... The, the one thing that you needed, uh, you know, the one Pokemon you needed pops oh, up. Oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so that's uh, that's the news. I think that's uh, that is a considerable bit of, of news. Most of it, I would say, would be positive. Well, I have one more story, which I think is pretty positive, especially considering our, not the most recent episode, but the one before that where we talked about the longest game, like, that we've played. Right. Right, yeah. Well, there's a new study, and actually, although I'm sure the Daily Mail meant this to be a negative thing, I am pleasantly surprised. (laughs) And it's the amount of gaming time per lifetime for the average gamer has been, I don't know, tabulated. And presumably they've, they've... you know, done a survey of how many um, gaming hours, and before the lockdown, we were gaming like eight hours per week. Now we're gaming like ten and a half hours per week, so on and so forth. So anyway, they've done this survey and extrapolated out based on how old the respondents were. A new study shows that gamers spent on average three years of their lives playing games and over 16,000 pounds or like roughly 20,000 US dollars in their lifetime pursuing their hobby. Now actually, that's way less than I thought, if I'm honest. Okay, okay. Because based on the fact that you playing World of Warcraft alone, just your main and your main alt is four months of solid gaming time. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, that is almost all of, like, that's a pretty hefty portion of those three years right there. So I guess part of me thought it would be worse. Part of me thought it would be, like, five to ten years of your lifetime playing games. I don't know why that seems now extreme when I think about it. But actually, presumably, if you never stop gaming and you play for several hours per week, you could get to that point. It just depends how long you live. <laughs> that's true <laughs> but 16 grand actually isn't so bad 16,000 pounds so like 20,000 dollars so if you gamed for 40 years you're spending like 500 bucks a year and I don't think that's bad at all no not not considering how much time you would spend and doing something you enjoy I mean even even a, a visit to the the bar or the pub Oh, yeah, you spend more than that in a year, for sure, going, like, to restaurants and stuff. If you went four days a week, you might spend $150, so... Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if you just went once a week, you would spend, you know, I, listen, at a bar, I can easily spend 40 pounds, like, no problem. Like, no, that's four cocktails at at a reasonable bar in London, because they're, like, a ten or a pop. So, you know, that is totally achievable. But I think you know, when you're considering Xbox Live, Game Pass, the occasional like game purchase, maybe in-game currency or like microtransactions, I actually thought it would be more than 500 a year well, when you average in the cost of a console every few years as well. Right, right. No, that's true. Um, I I just did the math for my World of Warcraft addiction. Um, you ready for what that number uh, is? I'm ready. <laughs> 
Okay. Not including probably tax and whatever else. And I'm assuming it's somewhere in the ballpark. This is a good general rough estimate. I've been playing since the beginning. So since November of 20, 2004. $6,888 alone on World of Warcraft. You know what? That like that doesn't even surprise me. I'm certain I've spent around four grand on City of Heroes. Like c- right. certain, certain. <laughs> and then when you add in like uh, I've bought an original Xbox, an Xbox 360, an Xbox One, tons of televisions, Game Pass. I've been subscribed to Xbox Live for 15 years. Do you right, know right. like yeah. <laughs> that's a lot? <laughs> it is. You're welcome, Microsoft and Blizzard. Yeah, Activision. and that's not even, Bobby like, games it. that I've purchased. That's not even, like, when I had a Game Pass subscription, like, before Game Pass, when I had, like, a normal subscription. I've been renting games at a 10 or a month for a decade. Right. You know, <laughs> which actually works out cheaper than if I bought games, one game every month, certainly. It's way cheaper than that. Way cheaper, yeah. Um, but... Like I, I totally think I thought the sixteen grand was going to be more. To be honest, I actually thought it'd be more because if you think about when you're a gamer, it's a big part of your lifestyle. It's one of the few things you probably do for entertainment. Like if you're a gamer, chances are there are other types of entertainment that you don't partake in at all. Like I don't really go to sporting events or concerts, which is something that someone who's like big into sports or music that would be where they spent their money. You know, like... Right, right. So I think, if, if you're a gamer, it's taking up one of those hobby slots. You know, so say you only have a couple hobby slots in your life. You know, I play games, I listen to music, and I watch, like, TV and movies. That's... Those are the things that I do. I don't really do anything else. I'm not going to concerts, like, you know. Do you know what I mean? Like... Right. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. sort of thought I'd be spending more, <laughs> actually. So yeah. kind of glad that I'm not. So you well, backfired Daily Mail. Yeah. You tried to shame us, but instead I feel better about myself. Right. Well, I mean, if they put it into context, you just put it in a lump sum. It may seem like it's a whole lot more. But, I mean, if you were to compare that to just about any other hobby and the amount of money that you would spend on it, I mean, it definitely is uh, comparable and probably in many cases cheaper than a lot of those hobbies. You know, especially when you somebody who games understands, especially when you consider how much how much you spend and how many hours you spend participating in it. You know, if I spent fourteen dollars a month and I played Warcraft for a hundred hours that month. I mean, break it down by into pennies. Oh yeah, how much even how the much yearly cost per like, hour? That's the cost. That's less than the cost of a season ticket for a local sports team for sure. Absolutely. So. And they're it's only def- available yeah. a couple hours a month. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's not all you spent. You Did you buy a beer while you were there? Did you get snacks or, or parking. sessions of any f- parking? Oh, yeah. Just just going to a movie might cost you, for me, I don't even want to think about it, but it's probably somewhere of 60 or 70 bucks if we go, my whole family, and we get something to eat. I bet you it's for it's it's no less than fifty bucks I for can't. all of us to go. I mean, I took my know. family to the movies to go see. What did we go see? We went to go see Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, and um, it was me, my brother, my sister, and my dad. And it was 
$40 just in tickets. Right. And then uh, we got, like, some popcorns and some drinks. And I don't even think, like, everybody had everything. But that was another 35 pounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. like, you know, and that was that was just like four adults like that wasn't even kids do you know like and that was for two hours and if you broke it up between everybody it still is gonna you know it still is broken down to all right 20 bucks a piece or oh they comfortably let me pay for it trust me (laughs) oh i'm sure (laughs) they have no problem letting me treat them when i'm home so that's for sure Nice. That seems backwards, but okay. <laughs> I'm like I'm like the weird rich uncle or something, you know. That comes in and buys them. Exactly, because I don't use real them. money. I use pounds, and that's like fake monopoly money to them. <laughs> right. Exactly. To me too. Is it real? Does anyone know really? So. Who knows? But yeah, that's all I had on on news. I just thought it was a sort of interesting little anecdote. Well, yeah, no, I, that's, uh, I think most of that is good. And, and we, uh, you know, again, have proven these, these outlets uh, that uh, you can't shame us. We're already shamed. Nothing you can do. <laughs> Nothing you can do. Um, so that brings us to our main topic today. So what... What's our main topic? What, how would you de- how would you define what what would be like the tagline for our main topic? Today? Right. So we definitely are going to talk about uh, so, some controversial topics. Uh, so or, or, I've I've called it review bombing petitions and the Last of Us Two. That's what I've called it because I think there's a couple games that fall under sort of each one of these categories. Um, and then I think The Last of Us 2 is just a good recent example of sort of all that coming to the forefront. You know, it, it's very, it's time sensitive. Right. But review bombing has become more common in the last year or so. Petitions is sort of something relatively new that's now starting to have visible repercussions and then right. uh, The Last of Us 2 sort of is just a recent example of both of those things happening. Right. So should should we start with just generally discussing review bombing and petitions, and then we can sort of talk about why The Last of Us has been in the news lately? Yeah, I think we should. Let's just talk about the general, and then we'll get into the specific. Perfect. So if I was going to start with, uh, if I start with review bombing, so review bombing, if I were to define it, I would say it is a form of protest by users to over criticize a game where they have some sort of moral issue or uh, ethical issue with their business practices or game content. Would you say that's like fair? I would say not only is that fair, but probably as political of an answer as you can give. <laughs> uh, where, Excellent. Where you, where you, you, uh, you nailed it without offending anyone. I don't know how you did it. 
I try. I try. So <laughs> I, I would say some examples of games that have been review bombed lately would be um, what's that Blizzard game that came out recently that they gave like a one to that Blizzard remaster game? Oh, Warcraft uh, three. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the most recent example where they gave it what it ended up with a one, I think. I think so. It was the lowest uh, that any game had ever been and reviewed or, or jog my yeah. memory because I think that was like a twofold issue. So you had people review bombing it because of the issues around Hong Kong, right? And then you had was people review bombing it because they felt like it was a really terrible barely remaster money grab right they they felt like uh in many instances it was a money grab they they felt like uh it was a bait and switch where they had seen uh i don't know if it was doctored versions but definitely not the final version of some of the cinematics some of the uh, you know the voiceovers and, and 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 things just didn't match up to what they were they were presented with in terms of like the advertising so and i would i would be one of those people that would have felt a bit betrayed although i don't care nearly enough to to submit anything or to sign a petition i I just don't care i didn't buy it you know but i didn't buy it because there were a lot of other red flags they stopped doing any kind of support or publicity for it going up to blizzcon and so I was like, well, they're not showing any more footage of it. And unless you were actually at BlizzCon, you didn't even get to see the footage that they did show. And so I was like, I'm just going to wait because this was a good game. But I played it 20 years ago, so I don't need to play it again right now. Uh, I know the story. I can go online and check out one of uh, Nobble's videos uh, or, or one of the other uh, lore videos for Warcraft if I really wanted to know what happened back then. So it, it definitely, I wasn't necessarily the tar- target uh, demographic, other than I do like Blizzard and Blizzard products. But yeah, that was the main thing is they felt like they were sold, uh, whatever they were sold was not representative of what they had been advertised. And so that was one of the major things. And then the other was uh, the um, the pr- protesting, basically the Hearthstone incident where uh, the Hearthstone champion, uh, and I, was he from Singapore, Hong Kong? Uh, I, I, maybe it's Hong Kong. I can't remember. I could look it up right quick and be a responsible journalist, but I'm not. Um, the, the gist of it was though, is, is basically because, uh, there were, and I, and I'm, you know, the interesting thing is, is I'm willing to bet these are different parties. Like these are not the same people that are mad about both things necessarily. There may be some overlap in that Venn diagram. But the people that are mad and are protesting because of the civil rights issues uh, that were happening in China uh, may or may not be the same people who are protesting because of, uh, you know, the the graphics being different than uh, what they were promised originally. You know, like I said, I I have a feeling that we're going to get into something similar to that with The Last of Us. But, yeah, that's that's why I think that was. Um, the main reasons why I think they were boycotting those that particular game. Now, I I think the question to ask is, of course, do we think review bombing is effective? And if you ask me, right. I'd say absolutely yes. I mean, it is a very visual 
representation of a community's dissatisfaction. However, later on, once we go through these definitions and discuss what's happened with The Last of Us, <laughs> I'll explain why I think that might be counterproductive to generally everyone's goals. Um, what do you think? Do you think review bombing gets the attention of publishers? Hmm, that's a good question. I Oh, absolutely. I think it does. Does it influence them? I think it's the answer will be it depends. You can tell that it gets the the uh at least the individual. I don't know if it's the publishers uh that that actually that it catches the eye of. Uh as much as it might be the game designers and the directors and and the people that are on the ground floor working on the games. Those individuals I think have poured, you know, in many instances poured their heart and soul their their time uh away from family to, you know, and many times in crunch periods to to get a game out on time and then to be uh you know rewarded with fans who boycott their game and and meta bomb their game. Uh, because they feel like that's their way of expressing their dissatisfaction or, or um, you know, uh, whatever it may be for, for uh, not, not being pleased with the company's behavior or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think they definitely see it. I think it depends, though, on uh, the game and, and how the, the, you know, the circumstances of, of the protest. So, but what do you think? Oh, oh, I think they see it, but I don't think it's going to yeah. have the type of consequences that people that are doing the review bombing like want it to have. Um, it, contrary, however, I'd say contrast that with petitioning. So petitioning, I would define as a very structured request for measurable changes. Um regardless of what they are, to the form, content, design, whatever, mechanics of a game. If you can write down and express concisely what you think needs to be different and get a lot of people in the community to agree with you, that is a very different way of bringing problems to the forefight than review bombing. So a more formal version of it. Yeah, and a highly effective version if Star Wars Battlefront 2 is anything to go by because people formed a petition like i think what 250,000 people signed it in order to remove loot boxes and then they got removed that's true that's true and that was in my opinion a a good change and uh petitions and and protest uh that resulted in uh something positive you know it's very positive and but, they didn't have to bomb the score of the game or spit in any designers faces to get those changes done which i think is important and important yes, absolutely i think that's yeah i think that's absolutely uh important so um so uh petitions probably because of the nature of them them being more formal in most in- instances, or if not most, most is probably safe to say. Most could be 51%. That's right. So uh, in most instances, have more credibility because of the processes and the steps you have to go through. 
to to get a petition and to get that many people to to sign it. You know, I mean, there's to me, it's like there's another step or two uh, that you really have to kind of commit. Your name is out there. In yeah, many instances and it's quite structured. Something. Right. In a in a review bombing, uh, I imagine if it's like anything else, you can kind of just make anything up as a profile and then just post something. This this sucks. Yeah, you suck. and I don't think it provides the developers with any actionable insight. They would have to go through what thousands, tens of thousands of stupid, pointless con like comments to find a couple comments that actually say oh this is what the community doesn't like this is what you should have done differently whereas i think a structured petition everyone that signs it says this is the thing this is the thing that we have a problem with fix this thing we'll be fine that's right yeah and so uh i would agree 100 percent and and the example that we were using uh what we used originally was the Warcraft game, but with The Last of Us, and I think games that that have similar themes probably run the same run into the same issues. But uh, as you said earlier, the the moral uh, maybe the the moral motivation uh, to cri- uh, you know critically pan this game uh, is probably not. It's definitely not exclusive to this game. There are other games where people have felt like it. Uh, morally uh i mean grand theft auto hot uh, coffee is famous example well it is and i think there are people that probably if they didn't even know that would have bombed grand theft auto just because of the whole uh exploit uh with the hookers yeah or call of duty uh the airport scene with the airport scene you know um absolutely Uh, they're so, so these are things that weren't even mods that are actually parts of the game where people have, uh, you know, maybe been surprised by something that happened. But before we get into any specifics or any 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 further into The Last of Us, what what are your thoughts on something like that? So, so let's compare it to another medium. Let's compare it to um, music lyrics, uh, which are more subversive, or even. Uh, or even movies where you go to a movie and you watch it and the, and you don't know anything about what's going to happen in the movie and they do something in the movie. Is there a precedent? Is there, is there a, is there a movie that somebody went and watched and was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that they actually put that in the movie and I'm going to petition to, you know, anything that you can remember in recent, in recent memory. I mean, I remember where broke back mountain shocking quite a few people back in the day okay right yeah because i don't think it was super clear from the trailers how much the uh the homosexual relationship was the movie do you know like because they're like cowboys they're out on the range like you could be confused and think it's just a western you know like <laughs> presumably and, and and that that's even funnier to me like if somebody went into that movie with that expectation with like the man's man uh mentality and then went in to watch that and was mortified <laughs> it's possible it though way, i can see it happening i i guarantee it happened uh you know they're like hey this is a cowboy movie because all i saw was the poster of heath ledger 
I mean, imagine if you were just gonna, if you just walked up to the theater, you were just looking at the posters, and you just bought a ticket based on what the poster is. You would never, like, you would never guess. You would never guess. I mean, my dad, bless his soul, we went to watch the Queen movie together. He did not know Freddie Mercury was gay. He was shooketh. He was shooketh. Oh, really? I thought he knew. That's why I said, are you fine to go watch this movie? And he was like, yeah, I love Queen. And I was like, okay. You know, it's a story about Freddie Mercury's life. Oh, yeah, no. It'll be fun. Let's watch it. (laughs) That was uncomfortable as hell. (laughs) Well, uh, I could imagine that would be uncomfortable. It's like, oh, oh, but but, I just don't. I don't see how you did. But I, you know, if I'm going to be fair to people, and I think it's important to be fair, I always think that people's moral, like, like, revulsion is unwarranted in games where you have a choice. Yeah? Like, if if it's a game where you can be whatever sort of character you want, you can romance whoever you want, you can kill people, don't kill people, like, when you have lots of choices then you should have no reason to be offended by choices that you presumably didn't make. You know? Because, like, if you don't want to see same-sex relationships, then why did you romance a same-sex character? That's on you. You know? like. But I would say that some people may be shocked with the on-rails nature of a game forcing them into an experience they wouldn't have chosen for themselves that's that's as lenient as i can possibly be because then i think being any more generous than that is like come on like we're all adults here though like you know it's not like it's pornography i'm sure it was tasteful i haven't played the game but like i'm sure any elements of uh you know diverse culture of any kind was very tastefully handled so I think at most I can empathize with people when they're not given a choice and they're suddenly experiencing a story that maybe they have no interest in experiencing for whatever reason I think that's the downside with an on rails non-choice based experience you know, because that, I mean, listen, when I got, I talk about it all the time. When I got forced to torture that dude in Grand Theft Auto, I did not right. enjoy it. Right. I was upset about that. Right. So, right. that's, and, that's and, as and, nice as I can be. And I think that that is fair. I guess, and, and I not to impose my my moral compass on anyone else, you know, to say, well, you shouldn't be offended by that. And then I think that's the problem here is someone else is, uh, someone else who has been, uh, offended feels that you should not have to experience that, of that offense because they're, they're projecting that on you. So they're projecting whatever they're, whatever they get offended by onto everyone else. And that's where it comes from. At least that's kind of how I see it. And it's it's that or the idea, the self-importance or virtue sig- virtue signaling, which is, you know, also potentially an issue where you want to seem virtuous by, you know, standing out. And again, this is not we're not talking about any uh, we're talking about 
you know, in this instance, uh, you know, the, the torture scene or or something that is depicted, and I feel like depicted as tastefully as it could because you were not asked to in Call of Duty. You are not asked to shoot anybody in the airport. You don't have to do anything. In fact, you can just walk through the whole th- the whole scene. Unfortunately, you can't walk through it and not see what happens. So yeah, I think one way one eyes, way you know? to like describe the two sides of the argument when it comes to um, game content that might be surprising or shocking to people. Um, without spoiling anything in The Last of Us, because I don't want to spoil a single thing, and I won't even hint at it. What I would say is that, let's say that you had a, a torture scene that you are forced to engage with, like Grand Theft Auto with the like car battery. Okay, you had to right. torture the guy. You had zero choice. That to me is more offensive than the passive participation in call of duty where you're walking through the airport tunnel like that's more passive you didn't have to do anything yes you're gonna experience visually what's going on but you didn't have to participate whereas grand theft auto you did have to participate so i could see how people would be disturbed by having to participate in activities that they wouldn't normally want to okay so i can see that right i get it Obviously, I don't agree. <laughs> I think, who cares? But, you know, when it comes to torture, I do agree. So maybe just I have a different level of sensitivity. The other side of it is, is why include necessarily relatively small swathes of the population in a game that is like for a mass audience if not for purposes of virtue signaling or like showing that you're an ally or whatever. So like right. It's similar to how sometimes I feel like the controversy around casting uh Idris Elba as James Bond. Well, are we casting him as James Bond because he's one of the best British action actors that we have and that's why? Or are we pandering? Do you know what I mean? Right. Because I think that's a very important distinction. And I don't think any group wants to be pandered to either. I don't think they would be like, yeah, we've got 007 now. Like, because you didn't earn it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Right. Somebody just handed something to you. So I think I can understand a bit of skepticism if you have an on-rail shooter where the character is, uh, I don't know, um, what's that? Um, non-binary or something. Non-binary is such a rare right. like way to exist that putting that in your game would like make it be like a point not one percentile relevance to the general population. Do you know what I mean? Like that's why. Like, why is it in there? Is it because right. it's integral to and the story? Which is fine, right? If it's integral to the story, if it makes sense, because that is that's the direction, the artistic direction that you want to go. If you're doing it to be controversial, specifically just to drum up, um, you know, really because, trying to know, get brownie no, points no for being inclusive or whatever. 
right, which wouldn't even necessarily make sense unless unless the brownie points you're hoping come from the you know the majority of people again because of the virtue sig signaling. So yeah, I would I definitely and see and this is not to be confused with anything else that we talk about on this show. We're definitely uh, we're definitely supportive of 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 artistic expression and and in fact. Uh, just for instance, in the in uh, the Last of Us, minor spoilers. If you haven't played the the first game, uh, you know Ellie Ellie has uh, you know a lesbian relationship in in the extended portion of the game, um, the the DLC part, and and uh, is a component in the Last of Us too. I think it's a wonderful part of this game. I think it it makes a, a tremendous amount of sense, and and from a storytelling perspective. It's all done, at least what I've been able to see from the first game, the DLC, and so far what I've played in this one. It's done artistically and it's respectfully and it's and it and it completely makes sense in the context of the story. In no way do you feel like any of this is shoehorned or forced into the game. And I think that's, I uh, you know, and I think that's just an important distinction to make that that and what we're talking about here is it's not. Um, we're not pro or anti any, and we're, and we're ab absolutely pro, you know, it's just uh, because in this day and age, it is so easy to put your foot in your mouth when you talk about these topics and, and to get, to get your message misconstrued, I guess. Oh yeah. Like, you know look, I, I'm more talking about reasons why people would be upset that I think are valid reasons. Doesn't mean that I agree with them, but I think if, for sure, because unlike a movie, a movie is very passive. You have no agency and someone's feeding you a story. But when you're playing a game, you feel right. a sense of agency. And then if all of a sudden the control is sort of taken from you and your character starts doing things that maybe you don't want them to do, then right. I can imagine that would be quite jarring. Now, do do any well, of the I, things yeah, in any sort of game of really offend me? No, super rarely. However... I'm telling you, when I had to torture that guy in Grand Theft Auto, I was really messed up about it. And if I had any other choice, I wouldn't yeah. have done it. And I wish they hadn't had made me do it. <laughs> right. I mean, did I go and right. review bomb and, them? No, but I could see why people would. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So you don't fault them necessarily. I, you know, with to your point, I, um, I, I think. Uh, the 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 good ex or a good, one of the better examples that I can think of was uh, recently, um, and this is one of those where I feel like was warranted uh, with Assassin's Creed. I believe it was Assassin's Creed Odyssey, if I'm not mistaken. The one where uh, your uh, I think your your love interest could be male or female, so you could pick or choose which uh, which you were interested in, but then. In some of the DLC, it forces you forces you into a particular uh, direction uh, for for affection. So you have to pursue this one character, and if it's and it was out of character for some people who had been playing their character a very specific way, and then all of a sudden, yeah, I get that. They, yeah, maybe I get they that. had a, a lesbian relationship, and now, yeah, makes complete sense. And and so, you know, when they shoehorn that in. To, to force you on rails to go in this particular direction, just like you were saying, well, now it's kind of contradicting the agency that I felt I had of my character, and now I no longer can't. Now, again, to your point, 
would I start a petition because of that? I was like, nah, but I definitely am going to talk to, I will talk to people about it, you know, and I might post somewhere where I could, where I felt like my opinion was uh, going to be productive, which is very rarely any comment section. But if, if it is, uh, or if that's where you choose to post it, uh, post something constructive about it. Like, hey, this, is, this was my experience, and, and this, uh, this is how I played my character. And, you know, and it just didn't, didn't it wasn't congruent. It, it, it didn't flow with the particular story. It, it forced me out of, uh, you know, of, um, you know the, the immersion that you have with playing a game. When it when it forces you out of, uh, you know the 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 character that you that you were building and maybe have been spending dozens if not more hours, you know, uh, on a on a particular or in a you know, yeah, especially in, in, in role playing games totally or, or, it, yeah. or games where, yeah. But so. I like I mean I could say you know I could see from both of those perspectives why people would be upset. The other reason why people are review bombing The Last of Us is because of dissatisfaction with their VP, creative director, you know, uh, Druckmann. Um, right. And like a personal dislike of him and some accusations that he shooed him, they shoot harmed himself into the game a couple times in ways that people didn't appreciate. So I think that's also valid too. If you're not happy with the person who's like running the company, then sure, if you review bomb them, you're gonna get their attention. Definitely. Um, I'm not. I've seen mixed reactions whether or not those are accurate statements. So I'm not gonna speculate one way or another. But those are the two fundamental reasons why The Last of Us has been review bombed on on Metacritic, and it's you know moral reasons and uh leadership the actual development studio leadership and and people's dissatisfaction with them and i think they're both valid reasons whether they're accurate right for sure that's not for me to say but they're valid reasons i think to pick up a pitchfork however and this is for me my final thought on you know the whole concept of petitions and and review bombing if Battlefield, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 has taught us anything. It is that we might win in the short term. That doesn't mean we're going to win in the long term. So recently a new petition was circulating where people were asking for them to continue supporting Battlefront 2. Asking EA to continue. They were willing to pay for more DLC to allow Star Wars Battlefront 2 to keep continuing after I think EA or whomever it was announced that they were going to stop doing anything for the game very soon. So no new updates and then eventually servers off and that's that. Um, Which is shocking because it's not a very old game, first off. Um, So anyway, a petition started circulating. You know, several thousand people signed it and said, hey, we're going to be willing to buy paid DLC. Like, keep this game alive. It's a great game. And one of the high ups in EA or the development studio and apologies I know that I'm I'm going to misquote exactly who it was but my point is still salient said well you know I really appreciate seeing this petition but if you remember there was over 250 odd thousand people who petitioned the opposite 
of what you want now and obviously referring to the, the loot box thing which is not really the opposite of what they want now they just want you to not turn the game off and keep working on it or whatever but I right. think it makes my point that you might get them to fix it now like in the moment when the heat is on but they have shareholders they have company directors and they have very long memories and it's gonna come and bite you in the ass one way or another either they're gonna stop supporting the game because they've identified the community to be toxic and they don't want anything to do with you um, you know which could be as simple as just never making another Star Wars game they could sit on that license forever if they wanted to they own it you know like they don't have to make another one right right um, if they decide the Star Wars, you know, fan base is too toxic, that's what they'll do. Um, or punishing people by when they submit another petition saying like, well, sorry, like this isn't as many people as the last time when you wanted something quote unquote different. Um, and, and that just shows me that even though petitions do seem to get action done, and review bombs will get statements from companies and sometimes you'll get some information coming to light. I don't think that it achieves what we want in the end. I think that companies have a long memory. They answer to shareholders. Those shareholders want profits. And the only thing that those two activities do is stifle creativity and engender a, like, I'm a get you back reciprocity from the developer. You know, where they're just like, oh, well, you made us take loot boxes out, so now we're just going to stop supporting this game a couple years early to recoup the money that we lost not having loot boxes in this game. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the only reason why right. they're stopping it early. Like, <laughs> simple as. You know, they've made as much money as they think they can get off of it. They can't have loot boxes, so what's the point? Um, and if companies continue to get backlash for telling alternative stories or telling stories that have niche experiences in them and stuff then they won't get funding to tell these stories and they'll remain indie titles right. forever and I don't think that's what anybody actually wants you know I think what would be more effective is um, more general petitions around how the gaming community wants alternative subject matter or whatever to be handled you know like maybe there should be more specific peggy ratings maybe there should be you know choices like maybe there you know however we want to like handle it as a community you know how we think is best in order to ensure we're buying experiences we'll enjoy that's not a judgment or a moral judgment at all it's just if you're spending money you should enjoy the experience you know that's all i'm gonna say right but i don't think that game studios well, will take the uh, chances <laughs> when that's the unfortunate truth about uh when money's involved that you're that you're li less likely uh really to get that freedom to explore and express and uh and, and unfortunately, sometimes that means that we don't get as diverse, diversified games because people don't take chances because it may not be lucrative. If it's not a home run, then a lot of times they don't they won't buy into it. You know, they won't they won't uh, spend the money to, to make something new like that. So um, I what what I, my last I, or final thoughts about this 
you know, echo yours as well to a certain extent. I, um, I think if you if you pay money for something, uh, yes, you should enjoy it. I think also it is our responsibility as consumers to do our due diligence on anything that you go to buy. Um, if and and if you feel like after you've done what would be considered a reasonable amount of research. And, and by reasonable, I think we could define as not zero. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that, uh, that, you, that you know, essentially, if you buy a game like The Last of Us, um, that you've played the first one, you know. <laughs> and if you didn't play the first one, um, that you read the back of the box, that you've watched some interviews. At this, in this day and age, you've, you've gone on to YouTube and, and maybe seen a a spoiler-free uh, critical review of it um, that tries to, you know, hit the high points, tell you some of the themes without, uh, you know, without giving away any of the details of the story. So you have an idea what you're getting into once you once you purchase the game. On the back of the box or, uh, you know, if you look at the descriptions, it is a action-adventure survival horror game with a mature rating, and the mature rating entails... There is sexual content. There is graphic language, graphic violence, uh, nudity. So, I mean, you you got to know that going into the game. And if you know that going into the game and you still are appalled uh, by what you see, you know, I mean, then maybe they went extreme. I, uh, You know, um, at least, at that very least, you gave it your all to be as mentally and physically and emotionally prepared as you could be. And if you're still offended after that, that is your right, you know. Uh, that is your right, and you did everything else. If if you didn't do those things, then you, it's difficult for someone to even have sympathy. Uh, if you if you went into it completely blind, uh, and and uh, and and kind of filled in filled in the gaps, I don't even know with with zero to to <laughs> no assumptions as to what it was that you were about to start playing. So, I think that The Last of Us, uh, the first game was. Uh, was violent and um, but necessary it was realistic and we're not talking about the the business side of this uh, I know we've talked about that in the past uh, on in very recent episode about rewarding companies for bad business practices uh, you know for, by us speaking with our dollars speaking with our decision to purchase oh yeah we still that, bought uh, the heck know, out of the last of us despite the crunch so that's on us right Right, it's on us, you know, and and uh, you know, and that's complicated. Uh, the Last of Us is a beautiful game. It is a, it is an a an incredible kind of experience in terms of gaming. It's it's up there. It looks as good as anything that's on the PlayStation uh, Four or the Xbox One. There's there's nothing that looks better. Red Dead Redemption doesn't look better. Uh, the the content and the themes and the story are uh it's it's to me it's riveting storytelling um it's 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 an interesting story and uh for someone like me as a gamer this is exactly why i game this is the type of game i want to play um and you know oh we may have a visitor again this week (laughs) she's coming uh but anyway i'm you know, but but it's up to you guys. You know, we can still you can still speak in protest without purchasing it, and uh, that that is also another valid way to tell people that you don't approve of of 
you know, of what it is that you're seeing and what it and the product that someone's putting out. So, a lot of ways to do it, but uh, you know, um, some more effective than others. <laughs> I can hear her coming. She's re she's ready to join us. She's coming. She's kind of. <laughs> She's ready to join us. Well, I think I've said all I can. That is, yeah, I have as well. So that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.